The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. Please join us at Christ Universal Temple if you're in the Chicagoland area. We'd love to have you stop by. We would love for you to worship with us. You can also check out our live stream at www.cutemple.org. That's www.cutemple.org every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. to 12 noon Central Standard Time. Again, check us out. I think you will love us. Now, today... I'm continuing the series on prosperity by Charles Fillmore. And if you've been listening to the show, you know that I've requested that everyone who follows along with this particular series get the book. The book is available online. There are free versions online that you can download to your phone, to your tablets, to your laptops and computers. So there should be no reason why you can't get the book. If you can get online to hear this, you can get the book because I want to make sure that you study the chapter before I actually cover it. Therefore, as I'm going over it, I'm maybe bringing what God gave me. And when you put that with what God gave you, now you have something that you can put together and really work. Not that what God gave you is not good enough on its own, but as we're growing and working together, we can bring forth some new insights and create new possibilities. So today I'm actually on chapter four, and I request that if you are just listening for the first time to this particular series, go back and listen to the previous three lessons on prosperity, because it's something that I won't repeat. I'll just assume that you know that it's been covered so I can continue to teach the material, because it's a lot of material in this book, and it is a classic book, so I want to make sure I can get as much in as I possibly can in a limited amount of time. Normally, with a book like this, I will be teaching for an hour and a half in front of students with handouts and all different type of things. So based upon our uh, method of teaching verbally, obviously, I'm limited to uh, to how I can teach this to an extent, but you can call in and ask questions. You can call in to 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. 
six four eight nine. And if I cover something, you need further explanation, or you just have a question in general, or you want to make a comment, you can call me at eight 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 five five eight six four eight nine. Now, if you turn to page fifty six, lesson four, man, the inlet and outlet of divine mind. Now, before I go forward, I want to make sure that you understand what divine mind is. Divine mind is one of the terms used in new thought to describe God. Why? Because divine mind basically states that that God is not a person or personality, but this aggregation of divine ideas that come into expression so when we look at God as divine mind, we can't formulate an image around it. So we have to work more from the standpoint of the abstract. So if God is mind, then mind has ideas. Matter of fact, in metaphysics, the Trinity is normally explained as mind, idea, and expression. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Father is mind or creator. A mind has ideas. The, I, the, the Son is the idea or the Son of God is the idea in the mind of God. And then the expression of the idea is what we call the Holy Spirit. So when we say man, the inlet and outlet of divine mind, we're saying that humanity is the inlet and outlet. We are the expression or, or the expressions of divine mind, God mind, or God. All right, so he starts off by saying the possessions of the Father are not in stocks and bonds, but in the divine possibilities implanted in the mind and soul of every man. That is very powerful because at times we think that God has things. No, the possessions of the Father are the divine possibilities in you you have the capacity to accomplish anything with God all things are possible and just because you don't know how to do it now does not mean it's not possible just because we don't know how to do something now does not mean it's not possible so the ability to for instance to to fly a plane has always been possible, but until there was a consciousness that could create a, a way to do it, understand the laws of aerodynamics, et cetera, et cetera, to create flight, it was just a possibility. So, so what we have to do is be the vessel through which that possibility comes forward. It says it's already been implanted in the mind and soul of every person. So he goes on to say, through the mind of man, ideas are brought into being. So if God is divine mind and in God mind, there are these ideas, then what is an idea? Now, Mr. Fillmore sometimes has some inconsistencies because sometimes he'll use ideas as the divine impulse. And sometimes he'll say bad ideas or human ideas, but really, truly, from a pure metaphysical standpoint, when he uses the term ideas, he's using it from the standpoint of divine idea. And what does that mean? Basically, what it means is that an idea is an original, primary, or unlimited thought of being in God mind. What does that mean? That means that the idea behind a thing is the real thing, and it can take form depending on the consciousness that uses it. You know, God as love. Love is an idea in divine mind of universal oneness. But it expresses as kindness, as compassion, as cooperation, etc. Wisdom is the idea in divine mind of orderly knowledge. And it expresses as intuition and intelligence and inspiration. Life is, an, is the idea in divine mind of activity that expresses as health and vigor and vitality. So as we start working with the idea, depending on the consciousness or the user of the idea, 
will determine the expression of the idea. The idea in it itself, in and of itself, is unlimited. Dr. Coleman, Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman used to say, all ideas come fully clothed. And what she meant by that was all of the ideas that we get from the mind of God in us, through us, as us, come with everything needed for its full expression. So when the idea of uh, of of whatever that good is that comes into your consciousness, it already has the capabilities to be what it needs to be. Just like an acorn has the ability to be an oak tree. Just like a mustard seed has the ability to be a mustard plant. The, everything that is in the seed that is needed for the expression is already in the seed. You know, you have to remember when in, in your mother's womb, when you are microscopic cell, that when the sperm cell and the egg cell uh, collided and merged, everything that was needed was in the DNA, your eye color, hair color, skin tone, height, weight, etc. within reason of us, obviously, of us eating or lack of eating and nutrition. But all of those things are already there birthmarks, all type of stuff, just already in the DNA. Well, within the DNA of the divine idea, everything that is needed to bring forth the idea is already there. That's one of the key steps to prosperity. When God gives you the idea, it is already complete. And all we're doing is putting it in a setting or consciousness that will allow it to grow. We're putting it in a consciousness that will allow it to grow. We we are we have a certain type of way we think, a certain way we feel, certain things that we believe, certain things we say, certain ways we act and react. All of that is the soil through which the idea can fully express itself. So he goes on to say on page fifty six. In the second end of the second paragraph, wealth of consciousness will express itself in wealth of manifestation. Now, why is this important? It's important because you have to understand as within, so without. And <clears throat> Emmett Fox wrote in the Sermon on the Mount, there is no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. There is no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. So if you have a wealth consciousness, you start to live from that context. So you see prosperity, possibility, and opportunity where someone else might see lack, disappointment, and despair. So a wealth consciousness actually produces its own experience. Consciousness is what I am. So a wealth consciousness will express itself. You know, it's like the gentleman said, I believe his name was Mike Todd, where he says, I've been broke many times, but I've never been poor. Because he believed that poor was a state of mind. So the book goes on to say on page 56, one who knows principle has a certain inner security given him by the understanding of God mind. So the key word here is knows, one who knows principle, again, one who knows God, one who knows how the universe function, functions, one who knows the underlying plan through which spirit works. It gives you an inner security to know that thoughts are things. It gives you an inner security to know thoughts held in mind produce after their own kind. It gives you an inner security to know that this is a universe governed by divine law. So he says our affirmations are for the purpose of establishing in our consciousness a broad understanding of the principles on which all life and existence depend. So we affirm the truth that already is. We're not affirming something out of the blue. When we affirm truth, we are proclaiming or declaring what is already true in God's mind. And since we are the image and likeness of God, since we are spiritual beings, if it's true about God, it's true about us. 
so as the the I believe Eric Butterworth says, each one of us is the eachness within the allness of God. And when we look at it from that standpoint, it gives us a different way to clarify how we think about life. So he goes on to say on page 57, the mind of man is built on truth and the clearer your understanding of truth is the more substantial your mind becomes. So you are already created to function in truth. And the more the the clearer the mind, the clearer your understanding, the easier it is for truth to demonstrate through you. This is why I tell people, when you start to rise in consciousness, the things that you used to be able to get away with, say, do, think, feel, believe, you can't anymore because just like you can demonstrate your good quicker, faster, you can demonstrate the other stuff a lot quicker too. So once you get at a certain level of consciousness, you cannot afford to be a negative thinker. You cannot afford to let yourself get down in the dumps because once you've reached a certain spiritual height, you become more sensitive. And when you start to think and feel and talk stuff, it starts to produce itself much faster. And eventually you will drop down in consciousness and then you got to climb up and say, well, I used to just make stuff happen. But if you stay on that route, yeah, the stuff will start manifesting quicker, but sooner or later it'll start slow down. And for lack of terminology, it'll start slowing down your vibe. And then you have to work harder to get yourself back to the consciousness that you were at in the first place. Think about it. So clear your mind. So he says when the one mind is called, page 57, when the one mind is called into action in your mind by your thinking about it, it lays hold of the substance by the law of attraction or sympathy of thought. Thus, the more you know about God, the more successful you will be in handling your body and all your affairs. The more you know about God, the healthier you will be. And of course, the healthier you are, the happier, more beautiful and better you will be in every way. So the only thing I want to say about this is simply this. When you understand that you build your mind on truth, you express the truth as wholeness, as harmony, as joy, as life, etc. We're going to take a quick break, I believe. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. And we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Hold that page because I want to come back to it and really address uh, this with a couple of scriptures, this page 57. So we'll be right back with Truth Transform. Unity Online Radio is affiliated with Unity, a nonprofit organization specializing in prayer, publishing, and spiritual education. If you enjoy our programming and would like to support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now to make a contribution. You can make a one-time or recurring monthly donation. Thank you. Guidance and direction are bubbling up from your soul all the time, even at night. But do you hear your soul when it calls? Do you recognize it? Do you trust it? Can you trust it? How can you be certain you are hearing the voice of your precious soul? Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that help you hear your soul, recognize and trust its guidance and begin to take action to create a truly beautiful life. Learn the wisdom habit of divine dialogue in Writing Down Your Soul. How to live a life of integrity in Soul Vows. And discover your soul's unique purpose in Check the Box. If you long to create a soul-directed life, visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, 
Your soul wants five things. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call him with your questions and spiritual challenges, and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm teaching Prosperity by Charles Fillmore, and I'm on Lesson 4, page 57. And I want to cover something. I talked about clearing your mind and working with your mind and working with truth. And I want to read this parable uh, by Jesus. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. It states, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Now, why am I reading this is because he stated in the book, the mind of man is built on truth and the clearer your understanding of truth is the more substantial your mind becomes. So when you build your mind or your thinking and feeling on truth, you're building your house, your consciousness on the rock. And when the experiences of life come, not if they come, when they come, because if you're dealing in life, you're dealing in relationship with people, places and things. Therefore, you're going to have some experiences. I'm not calling them good, bad or indifferent. I'm just saying we have experiences because to live is to experience things. But when those experiences come, or as Jesus says, the rain, the floods, and the wind, and beat and blow and try to flood your house or or corrupt the consciousness with the experiences or overwhelm the consciousness, if you have been building your consciousness on truth, it doesn't matter. Your prosperity will be sustained. Your health will be sustained. Your peace will be sustained. Your wisdom and understanding will be sustained. Your strength will be sustained because you've built it on truth. Then he says, again, the more you know about God, the healthier you will be. And, of course, the healthier you are, the happier, the more beautiful and the better in every way. He says you'll be more successful as well. And this goes to back to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. What Jesus is quoted as saying, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, let's put that together. Known truth frees. Known truth frees. Not the truth you talk about but really don't know. Not the truth you read about but don't understand. Not the truth that you want other people to believe you know but that but you don't know. That can't free you either. Only known truth frees. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. All right. Don't forget that you can call 
You can call me at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489 if you have any questions. This lets me know where you're at so we can you know, keep, keep uh, a good understanding and consciousness uh, about what's going on in this program. Because if I know where you're at, if you're calling, you're asking questions, maybe the question you have might the answer I give might help someone else. So don't withhold your questions. If you have questions, please call in. Moving on to page 58. I love this page. It states, all true action is governed by law. Nothing just happens. There are no miracles. There's no such thing as luck. Nothing comes by chance. All happenings are the result of cause and can be explained under the law of cause and effect. Mm. This is the part of new thought that really attracted me. That this is a universe that is governed by law. Nothing just happens. Consciousness is what I am. Now, Emmett Fox has a beautiful way of saying this. He says there's individual consciousness. He says then there's, and I'm paraphrasing him, then there's you know, like family consciousness and work consciousness. He uses it this way. Every neighborhood is a consciousness. Every city is a consciousness. Every state, every nation is a consciousness. In other words, it's the collective thoughts, feelings, beliefs of the people that are involved. So, for instance, your family has a consciousness. It has a way it behaves about certain things. Your family, since we're teaching prosperity, has a way it deals with money. What did you learn about money when you were growing up? And does it still affect you how you deal with money now were you taught money or how to utilize money properly orderly etc you know or were you watching dad sneak in the high ticket item so your mother wouldn't see it or your mom sneaking the boots in or dealing with the situation where it was stress and around bills and things of that nature because a lot of times we don't realize how we pick up things. So, if all true action is governed by law, that means that that cause and effect is uh, is operating currently in whatever financial position you're in. There's no judgment around that. It just is. Thoughts held in mind produce after their own kind. So he goes on to say, these happenings that seem miraculous are controlled by laws that we have not yet learned and result from causes that we have not been able to understand. Man does not demonstrate according to the law, but according to his knowledge of the law. And that is why we must seek to learn more of it. So God's law is infinite. But if I'm thinking in limitation or thinking limited, then I diminish my own ability to receive the abundance of God by law. Because one of the things that law stipulates is this. You can never have anything that is not yours by right of consciousness, even if it's given to you by what we call chance, like the lottery they, they say something like over 70, 70, 75% of lottery winners within eight years uh, don't have the money if they, if they cash out completely. Why? Because if a person doesn't have the prosperity consciousness, then they will figure out ways to lose money. They'll allow people to pull them into bad deals. They'll allow all their family and friends to mooch off of them. This is the same thing that happens with a lot of these Athletes, um, ESPN did a show called last year called Broke, and it talked about all these athletes who accumulated millions, sometimes over one hundred million dollars, in salary and and marketing and advertising of money, 
and they don't have any money now, filing bankruptcy, etc. How does that happen? Well, it happens because they have physical talent, but not the consciousness of wealth. And since they weren't trained on how to deal with money, the people that were around them uh, mooched on them, et cetera, et cetera. They made bad deals. Um, and it's a good show. If you can find it somewhere, I would strongly suggest you watch it. It's a good lesson on money. What I'm saying is this. You can't have what's not yours by right of consciousness. But here's the, the opposite end of that. That which is yours by right of consciousness cannot be kept away from you. That which is yours by right of consciousness cannot be kept from you. All right, but you have free will. As he states in the bottom of page 58, he says, we have free will. And the manner of our doing is left entirely to us. When we know the law and work with it, we are rewarded by its protection and use it to our good. If we break the, the universal law, we suffer limitation, just as a convicted lawbreaker is limited to a cell or a prison. Now, what this is simply saying is this. First of all, I don't believe you can break universal law. What you put into it, you get out of it. He's using the language, obviously, and language is limited when you start talking about things of spirit. You can break yourself up against it, but the only thing that universal law is, is doing is giving you the result of your consciousness. So it's not punishment. It is consequence, and consequence can be good or bad, or I don't even like to use the term good or bad, but has, as we interpret good or bad, in other words, desirable and undesirable. Moving on. So how do we work with this? Page 59. How do we use divine law to express good in our lives? He states on page 51, 59, excuse me. First, God is good and all his or its creations are good. When you get that firmly fixed in your mind, you are bound to demonstrate good and nothing but good can come into your world. If you let in the thought that there is a such thing as evil and that you are as liable to evil as to good, then you may have conditions that conform to your idea of evil. But remember, evil and evil conditions are not recognized by divine mind. So you got to know the truth that God is good and all of God's creations are good. That's primary. Now, here's the key. You you are a creation of God, therefore you're good. Because if God is good and all of God's creations are good, that means you're good. And everything's connected to you is good. Now, but he's saying as long as we are thinking in duality, good and evil, we're saying both situations can happen to us. And as long as we have the belief that the other shoe could fall any moment, that, uh, you know, some person can come and snatch away your good or some whatever evil can come into our experience, then we are being double-minded. Scripture says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let him not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. The Lord in this instance is law. You can't think and feel one way than the next minute think and feel another way and try to go in two opposite directions and think you're going to get the demonstration that you desire. God is good and all of God's creations are good and there is no evil. Now, does that mean that what we call evil conditions don't happen? Absolutely, but there's no power in it. What does that mean? I, I use this example. I so, say, you know, you see examples when people talk about, you know, God and God, the existence of God and the existence of evil or devil or whatever. I simply state that you can see the existence of life and order and harmony in the universe everywhere. We say God is life. You see life always being expressed. Whether that's in humanity, whether it's animals, insects, minerals, universes, stars, and all type of stuff. You see the harmony and divine order of the universe where galaxies uh, are created, where solar systems rotate around a sun, where the the earth is just close enough to the sun to stay warm, but not so close that it burns up, just good enough to sustain life. That's order, that's harmony, that's wisdom being expressed. And you can never find what we call evil without 
people being involved. It's not a separate thing. It's just a byproduct of unillumined consciousness. That's all. There's no such thing as outside of man's or humanity's um, involvement in the thing that you can find what you will call evil. But you can find harmony and good and beauty in many things without man being involved. It's not evil for a lion to chase down another animal in the jungle or a tiger to jump out on something in a, out of a tree. It's not evil if the tsunami hits the, the, the island if there's no people there. It's not evil if a tornado goes through a, a town if there's no people there. Those things just are. They, they, they just exist. But when people get involved with a thing, that's when it becomes traumatic. Because we are aware and of, quote unquote, the things that happen in the human experience. But in and of itself, it's not evil. Now, pulling all the way back, why is that important? Because he says, first, God is good and all his creations are good. When you get that firmly fixed in your mind, you are bound to demonstrate good. So you have to continually say and train your brain, train your mind to consistently not only see good, but feel good and affirm good consistently. Because that's what you want to express in your life. Why focus your mind on what you don't want? Why focus your mind on the things you don't want to see happen in your life? Why talk about things that you don't want? I tell people all the time, I say, if all you're doing is thinking about what you don't want, feeling feeling ways that you don't want to feel and talking about what you don't like, you are telling universal law. You want more of that because it has your mind. It has your words. It has your actions. If you're consistently staying on what you don't want, what you don't like, what you won't want to do, who you don't like, etc. As long as that's your conversation, then you will just get more of it. That's all. Be careful of how you're pulled in the conversations that are not for your highest good. You can be attached to that stuff or you can be your commitment to your truth and your growth. That's up to you. But what I'm saying is, Train yourself to consistently look for good. Scripture says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Heart represents the subconscious mind, feeling nature. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see good in their experience. So let me remind you before we take our last break that this show and all the shows on Unity Online Radio are supported by your love offerings, your donations. So please click the donate button to support this show and Unity Online Radio. Uh, also, I would like to remind you that, again, that you can go to Christ Universal Temple's live stream on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. to 12 noon. Central Standard Time at www.cutemple.org. Don't forget my Facebook page, uh, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Go on the page, like it, share it with other people so we can do what we have to do. So with that, we're going to take our last break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Hi, this is Ellen Devonport. The Five Principles was my first book, and here's what I've learned as an author. It's nice to sell a lot of books, but it's truly gratifying to know the book is being read, used, and studied in churches and small groups in the U.S. and beyond. And I get a real kick out of hearing that someone gave The Five Principles to friends who aren't in unity. Because The Five Principles are universal spiritual laws. They operate in everyone's life whether they know it or not. They've been discovered and rediscovered by spiritual masters for thousands of years. God is all there is. We are expressions of God. We create our experience with the power of our thoughts. 
We align ourselves with the well-being of the universe through prayer and meditation. And we live the truth we know every day in every decision. Just five principles. They cover it all. Buy the book at unity.org. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges, and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. This is your host, Galen McDowell, and again, I'm teaching Prosperity by Charles Fillmore. I have a caller on the line named Diane. Hi, Diane. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. Where are you from? I'm from Michigan. All right, beautiful. What is your question? Um, I am in a state of recovering my health, and I would like to know how I can respond to somebody who's asking me a question about the status of my health. How can I respond honestly without being negative? Okay. Well, it's a, it's a couple of things that I need to say before I give my answer answer. One, there there are people who in your life, like a spouse or obviously your doctor or whoever you decide you're close to that, that, you know, you can share status with, you know, in other words, you have people in your space that, you know, have to know the facts. Let me put it that way. But in general right. conversations, um, tend because people ask normally because they care. But you have okay. to be careful that you're not that 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 you're not reinforcing the old belief in the illness every time you explain and, and give the organ recital or the or the prognosis and the diagnoses and all of those type of things. So one of the things that I shared with uh, someone years ago was when she asked the same question was tell people um, I'm how, how are you? I'm concentrating on my healing. I'm working on my oh. healing. It was, it's a real quick and succinct answer. In other words, you're not about to get into, I took this medicine, then the doctor said this, and then I'm working on my healing. How are you doing right now? That's not saying uh, or talking so metaphysical that they can't catch that, you know, because it's easy at that point to say, I'm a perfect, whole, and complete child of God, and da-da-da-da-da. They might not get that. Okay. But if they can hear, I'm working on my healing. Pray with me, from pray with me, and hold that, or whatever you need to word that. Pray with me to maintain and express uh, my my complete health or my strength or my whatever. And what you're doing now is you're asking them to partner with you in consciousness to see you whole. Or you can actually, like actually okay, you can even actually ask somebody, see me well. When you think about me, think of me being well. That's you know, from, from and that's not saying that you're not going through the process or, and when I mean process, meaning recovery. Um, because in, the pro, in, in that process, when the healing revelation comes and then the realization comes, the health shows up because where there's realization, there's manifestation. So, so, when you actually tell somebody, is this relating? Are you getting it? What I'm saying? Yes, Diane? I am absolutely getting it. Yes. Okay. So, so when when so when you are uh, when you affirm 
it and then you ask somebody to join it, then it, then they feel as though still they're a part of the process. And if they feel as though they want and if they feel as though they need to continue to push the button, you just simply say, hey. Right now, the only thing I'm focusing committed to is my wholeness and my health, not on what the doctor said, but on what God is telling me is my true and right birth. Yeah, you know, you don't have to get into that. Stick with your I'm working on my healing or I'm committed to my healing. I like That's that because it's short. Perfect, it's a perfect answer and it oh. totally solves my dilemma. So I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Take care. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Now, back to the book. On page, bottom of page 59 is, and the top of page 60, he gives a powerful affirmation that you might want to work with. Last week I talked about uh, putting some affirmations on a three by five card, and you can listen to that on your own. But he puts on here, I am a child of the absolute good. God is good, and I am good. Everything that comes into my life is good, and I'm only, excuse me, and I'm going to have only the good. Now, why are you are you affirming that? Because again, you're training your consciousness. Again, as within, so without. So the more firm your mind is on the truth about good being your experience the more it shows up in your experience it turns into a habit because he says in the next paragraph if you start right now with the idea of universal and eternal good uppermost in your mind talk only about the good and see with the mind's eye everything and everybody is good then you will soon be demonstrating all kinds of good good thoughts will become a habit and good will manifest itself to you you will see it everywhere. Again, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, in the next paragraph, this is one of those statements that I love from Charles Fillmore because it's a bold statement. And I first heard this statement from uh, Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman. Where she, he states uh, on page 60, the law applies to our demonstration of prosperity. We cannot be very happy if we are poor. And nobody needs to be poor. And here's the statement. It is a sin to be poor. It is a sin to be poor. Now, if this isn't a religious statement that can kick up the dust, I don't know what is. I can see many people coming with many reasons and why, uh, you know, you know, the poor this, the poor that scriptures that promote poverty and the poor and etc but when it's all said and done we need to investigate what the word sin means and stop putting our religious training on it because for many people sin is uh, um, a moral deficiency and that's not what he means sin means to miss the mark that's it just like if an archer was aiming at the center of the target and he didn't hit it, he would sin. Well, a sin is just a mistake. That's it. Okay, so it's a mistake to be poor. That's another way you can say it. It's missing the mark to be poor. What's the mark? The mark is that if we are spiritual beings created in the image and likeness of God and God as divine mind has already given us according to the first page in this chapter, divine possibilities implanted in the mind and soul of every man, that means there's no reason for us to experience lack because we weren't created to do that. We were created to bring forth the infinite possibilities that we are and create our own prosperity, not have it handed to us. Create it. Create it. Now, create might show up as a job as a business or whatever in relationship to other people. But you have to realize that it's your consciousness. It doesn't make a difference how it shows up in form. It's still your consciousness, whether it's your business, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your uh, uh, job, whether it's whatever it is, it's still your consciousness. So it's a sin to be poor only means that you could have wealth just as easily 
as you could have whatever else. Then he goes into this explanation of the prodigal son, which I'm not going to get into, but I'm going to ask everyone to read it. It's found in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And the reason I want you to read it, because he gives a long explanation for it. And it's necessary for you to get that on your own. Again, on page 64, he states, the law operates in every department of being. So, when we're talking about prosperity and divine law, please understand that law works for every aspect. Law works at your job. Law works in your in, with your significant other, with your family. It works with your friends. It works with um, how you tie your shoes in the morning. It works with everything that has anything to do with you. Universal law is at play. Everything. 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 Every department of being. All right. Now, I'm going to skip over a couple of things because we don't have a lot of time now. I want to make sure that we we get page 66. Bottom of the page, he says, if you are persistent in working this idea in your conscious mind, it will eventually drop down into your subconscious mind and continue to work there where things take form and become manifest. So he's saying you got to plant the seed there. You have to plant the seed in the subconscious mind. Be persistent with the idea that God's abundance is for you. On page 67, he says, we must realize that all the while, however, that whatever we put as seed into the subconscious soil will eventually bring forth after its kind. And we must exercise the greatest caution so that we not think or talk about insufficiency or allow others to talk about it, talk to us about it as we sow in mind. So shall we reap in manifestation. And, and Reverend Coleman used to even say this. She said, never give to somebody's poverty or lack. Always give to their prosperity. So if a person asks you for money, don't give money to a poor person. You can't see them as poor or broke or in lack. Because if you see poverty, it's in you. Now, I know, so I, I, and I know that's a, it's tricky. But she would say, help the people. But when you help them, always see them as a whole spiritual being who lacks nothing. And since we're one, when you help one, you're helping yourself. So don't see a person as limited. If you're helping a person that's dealing with the illness, see that person whole. That's why I you know, created this prayer a couple of years ago. I see you whole. I see you free, just as God created you to be. Now, I had created that for my own self. So when I'm working or having to walk into a hospital room and pray with somebody, I'm not seeing uh, charts and sensors and things beeping and IVs. I see you whole. I see you free just as God created you to be. That has to be in the subconscious mind so I can walk into that hospital room and behold the presence of God even there. Moving on. So he goes on to say to wrap up this on page 68. Bottom, bottom of the page. Do not hesitate to think that prosperity is for you. Do not feel unworthy. Banish all thoughts of being a martyr to, pros, to poverty. No one enjoys poverty, but some people seem to enjoy the sympathy and compassion they can excite because of it. Overcome any leaning in that direction and every belief that you were meant to be poor. I love this. No one is ever hopeless until he is resigned to his imagined fate. Well, I'm going to read that again. No one is ever hopeless until he is resigned to his imagined fate. Nothing is set in stone for you. You can tear it down and replace it with something completely new. You don't you don't have to have an inevitable future. You can create it over. So he says, think prosperity, talk prosperity, not in general, but in specific terms. In other words, you must be definite with the infinite, not as something for the other fellow, but for your very own right. Deny every appearance of failure. Stand by your guns and affirm supply, support, and success in the very face of question and doubt. And then give thanks for plenty in all your affairs. 
knowing for a certainty that your good is now being fulfilled in spirit and mind and in manifestation. Now, for this week only, and unless you want to do it longer, I want you to affirm until next Wednesday the prosperity treatment at least once a day. I'm going to read it before we get off. It states, the Lord is my banker. My credit is good. He maketh me to lie down in the consciousness of omnipresent abundance. He giveth me the key to a strong box. He restoreth my faith in his riches. He guided, he guideth me in the path of prosperity for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk in the very shadow of debt, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy silver and thy gold, they secure me. Thou preparest a way for me in the presence of the collector. Thou fillest my wallet with plenty. My measure runneth over. Surely goodness and plenty will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall do business in the name of the Lord forever. Affirm that at least once every day. I would suggest you do it as early as you possibly can to get it ingrained in your consciousness that God is the source of your supply. Work with it. And then obviously by next week, make sure you read Lesson 5 before the show next week, the law that governs the manifestation of supply, because this chapter has tons of great stuff in it. We're going to really, really get into it. So thank you so much. God bless you. Love you all, wherever you are. Thank you for listening, and we'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. As Reverend Felicia Blanco Cerce points out in her book, Do Greater Things, there is the potential for joy, wholeness, and expansiveness designed into every moment. And the miracle is when we recognize the constant presence of these qualities all around us. Once we see what is possible, our lives then begin to change. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, Words from Our Past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past 
along with historical background from the early days of the Unity Movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm. 